And then our Christmas experience, the 11th of December, get your ticket. The reason we ticket it, it's free, just allows us to make sure there's space for you and your friends. This is one of the services, get extra tickets for your friends and your colleagues and your, your neighbor. This is one of the, if you invite them, I have no doubt they'll be blessed. And remember on the 15th of December, we've got a sunset Christmas carol service. It's different to the Christmas experience on the Camps Bay High Fields at our Camps Bay location. We're encouraging everyone to come. There'll be food um, uh, stands and we'll have some fun. And, and that's really just a picnic and a different experience. So you've got two opportunities, 11th Christmas experience, um, 10, 8.30, 10, 11.30 or 6, get your tickets. Just write your name down and I'm taking five, six, whatever amount of tickets. And then on the 15th, you can get tickets for that as well. And remember, it's a family experience. You can bring your children as well. They will be blessed, I have no doubt. And then lastly, uh, remember in our gratitude challenge, in the week, we encourage you to write a praise report. So you can use your cards in the seat coming in front of you to write your praise report if that's what you'd like to do. Let's quickly pray. Position ourselves, prepare ourselves. Remember, we are wanting to do God's will. We're not perfect, but we have this design. That's how you can submit to God. So God, we come to you now. We submit to you now. We want to do your will. As we do this, you give us an authority because we come under your authority to resist the devil. So we resist him now. We thank you that he has to flee. We also pray you remove distractions or anything that's in our heart that's hard so that our heart would be a good soil for your word now to be planted. We pray that your word would be planted and that we'd not only be hearers of your word, but we'd also be doers of it. We pray also for people in this place who are not in relation with you. We pray that you'd knock on the door of their hearts, draw them unto yourself so they can be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone believe it said? Amen. Amen. Awesome. So come on, who's pumped for the World Cup soccer? Sort of, hey? Okay, who, who, I, I would like Argentina um, to win. Anyone else, hey? I would, listen, I would have liked Portugal or Argentina. The only reason is I'd want one of the goats to win a World Cup. And they would go down. I love guys making history, but, but right now I don't think Portugal can actually win it. Any Portuguese fans out there, I, I don't think they're good enough. But, but let's pray for Argentina. Is that a deal? Okay. Remember, we're praying for Liverpool and Argentina and the Springboks. Okay, that's the deal. That's just, and afterwards, if you do support Man United, there'll be an altar call. Remember, you've never seen, you'll never see a red devil in heaven, but we want you to be in heaven, so we'll cast that devil out, and then you'll know you never walk alone in Jesus' name. Amen. Check that. That's the gospel there, right there. And a side note, that's actually a gospel hymn, that song, you never walk alone, and they sing it before every Liverpool game. Anyway, so I'm just pointing it out. But gratitude, we're doing the gratitude challenge, and we've, we encourage you, if you haven't started, you can see it on our social media page, the gratitude challenge, and we're doing 21 days of gratitude. Uh, we know that gratitude is the road you should walk on if you want to see your relationships get healthier. If you add gratitude to your marriage, I promise you, your marriage will get healthier. If you add gratitude into your work relationships, they'll get healthier. Your relationship with your kids, if you teach your children to be grateful, they'll be healthier. And that's one of the things I mentioned last week. I always tell my girls, what do I want you to be? Grateful. Anyway, I came in. No, grateful. Anyway, but I want it to be because God's enthroned in the praise of His people. He's not enthroned on the complaints of His people. But complaining's actually become a big thing. I think social media has helped it. Um, the crazy thing is you just see people put praise things up or gratitude up, even on community groups, and then somebody will write something negative. Um, we always believe there's, there's so much more to be negative about than to be grateful for. Proverbs 11 verse 27 says, if you search for good, you'll find favor. 
That's quite cool. If you search for good, you find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like evil says, if you move in my direction, I'll move close to you. You know what I mean? People try to find the devil behind every bush. It's like the devil gets behind that bush you're looking before him for. He's like, hey, how's it? Um, yeah, you're right. So I'm behind this bush. Uh, but if you search for evil, it will actually find you. And we need to make sure that we're not people who just naturally go to a place of complaint. Because when you are in that space, even what you have won't be enough. And of course, we learn that when you are grateful, what you have will be enough. Um, there's no doubt mindsets are, that people have that, that actually rob you. And, and I remember hearing a story that 10 years ago, their workforce, as they went in, a boss said to them, there's a word that they say, um, explains your generation as a workforce. And it begins with E. And they said, what do you think it is? They said, excellence, energy. He said, no, entitled. Of course, if you think a generation's entitled and you're the parents of that generation, you got them there. Anyway, so before we point fingers. But actually, entitlement is being in our psyche for thousands of years. The Bible actually speaks about it. 3,000 years back, that tells us stories of people who were entitled. Jesus even told a story of two young men who were entitled. The, the one is known as the prodigal son. Have you ever heard that story? A guy who grows up in a wealthy family, and one day when his father passed away, the estate will be divided between him and his brother, and he says to his father, I would like my share of the estate now. In a way, he's saying, you know, I can't wait till you die. I'd like it now. And, and that's what his mindset is. It's a, I want it now. So this, is a, this has been a problem for thousands of years. It's an entitled mindset. And clearly, there's no contentment in the season, in the lane, and in God's timing. So not content with God's time, not content with what he had. And he says in Luke 15, verse 11 to 12, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Clearly, this guy was not grateful. And what he had wasn't enough. And of course, we know anyone who's not grateful, what they have is never enough. Then he ends up spending all he has on partying, and he buys Man United tops, really dodgy stuff. <laughs> he ends up in a pig pen. And he's a Jewish boy, pig pen, Jesus telling the story, the crowd must have gone, what? And he wants to eat what the pigs eat, and goes, well, in my father's house, there's more than enough room to, uh, food to, to spare in a way that even his servants don't lack. He goes, I'll go back to my father. He comes back to his father, and we see the story of a father, even this entitled, discontent, ungrateful young man still receives the love of his father, and then he throws him a party. What happens? The older brother is out in the field. Here's their parting, won't come in. The father goes out to him, and here's his mindset. I deserve more. Luke 15, verse 29. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. I deserve more. Ungrateful, not content. His father's like, but all of this is yours. Crazy thing is when you're ungrateful, discontent, you will not see how good God has been to you. 
And you must probably disconnect your life from the blessings that are all around you. You'll fold your hands instead of worship God and you become grumpy. The older brother seemed like a grumpy person. Uh, why? Well, well, they were not content. Maybe they were comparing their lives. There was a farm next door where the older brother maybe had stuff that this older brother didn't have and he was looking at, maybe there was a farm next door where um, a, a son had, a younger son, brother had more. I don't know what got them there, but they weren't in a good place. And maybe that's your mindset. You come to the end of the year, you're tired, and you say, I want it now. I'm not gonna wait. I'm just gonna put it on the card and pay it later. I'm gonna get it now. I'm not happy with what I got. Or, or maybe you're walking around work grumpy. Your boss walks past and you're like, ah, I deserve more. Well, that attitude's not gonna connect you to more. Honor actually connects you to more. Maybe you're struggling with this and, and, and you're comparing your life to others. The problem is we're living in an age where you know what everyone's driving, where they live, what they're gonna eat for Christmas lunch. Uh, you know where they're shopping. Social media has really blessed us, hasn't it? And, and you could actually say we, we're living in a season where it's even harder not to compare, but comparison happened and people were discontent in the Bible ages ago. Jesus mentioned, you know, you don't covet what somebody else's. Of course, Andy Stanley says this, there's no win in comparison. You're never gonna win. There's no joy in comparison. There's no peace in comparison. There's no life. If you are comparing yourself to other people, you are potentially gonna take away from the joy that could be in your marriage, in your life, and in your workplace. Comparison is what puts the dis in discontentment. Maybe you're not content and it's because you're comparing. Because you're comparing, you say, I want it now, I deserve more. The crazy thing is, when we do this, we kill off our potential. We actually drain ourselves from fulfilling our purpose. We spend energy on looking at somebody else's life and we never ever run our race. God's actually made you on purpose for a purpose. And if you're comparing your life, there's no doubt you're not maximizing your potential in your lane. In your lane, there's no traffic. And just like you hearing in your voice, look at them, comparing yourself, there's a voice that speaks to you about other people's lives. The person you're comparing yourself to most probably has the same whisper. You deserve more, look at their life. If only you could be like them, then you'd be more respected, then you would have made it. So no one's winning in comparison. Solomon writes this, Proverbs 14 verse 30, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Come on, have you ever smelled something that's rotting? Don't get into such a, into a place of envy where your life starts to stink. Your attitude stinks at work. Because you're always envious of people. There is a rot that happens when you and I are envious and there's no doubt we won't have a heart of gratitude. 
if you are driven to keep up with the Joneses, with the people that you're comparing yourself to, you will have no energy to fulfill your purpose. And we know, studies show the happiest people have got great friends and they've got great purpose. And you'll have no energy for that because you are comparing yourself to somebody else. The crazy thing about comparison, it causes you to chase a life that the Bible says is a mist. Has anyone ever tried to close their hand on mist and bring it home or put it in their bank account? <laughs> so Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, he, he had wealth, he had fame, he accomplished so much, actually speaks into this mindset and into this wasting of life. In Ecclesiastes 4 verse 4, he says, I saw that all toil... And all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. Listen, this guy was a wise man to ever live. He'd seen everything. He had experienced fame, wealth, accomplishments. And he also made mistakes. At the end of his life, he writes this book. He says, I saw that all toil, all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. I'm asking you, are you toiling and you're almost there? In 10 years' time, I'll be there. Then people, then I'll come. Look what I, you know what I mean? Don't you hate those number plates? Look at me now. You know what I mean? Cake for me, no. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you said I'd never make it. Now I'm at the top. You know what's at the top? Clouds, brew. And they're going to disappear. He says, this too is meaningless. It's a chasing of the wind. Envy and letting your life be pulled in envy and comparison is you setting off in a race where you're chasing after the southeaster. Have you ever come home and you've done a 10K run? You come home, look what I got. What, what, babe? I got the southeaster. You're carrying nothing. You wasted your time. And Solomon says, some of you are going to chase through this life after the Southeaster and bring it home. And then you're going to say, hey, is there a reward, a reward ceremony? No. You mean it. So there's no win in chasing after the wind. Yes. You know, if you look at Ecclesiastes and, and you study it, theologians will say that Solomon's saying to us that that if you chase after the temporary and get fixated on it and compare your life to others and spend your life, you will one day close your hand on the wind. And you'll miss out on closing your hand, maybe on your spouse's hand, on your children's hand, on your grandchildren's hands. And you'll realize that your life was meaningless. What's driving you? It's an old thing, it's an old lesson, but we never seem to learn that chasing after the wind is meaningless, but you and I try to find meaning in what's meaningless. I'm gonna find my purpose in what's meaningless. So when you and I catch ourselves drifting into what's meaningless and are chasing after the southeaster wind, 
When you find that you lack peace, because there's no peace for people who chase after the wind, because they never get it. You have to say to yourself, I don't do that. I don't waste my life chasing after the wind. If if it's been birthed in comparison, I'm wasting my time because strife and envy is a chasing after the wind. And you might not be a Christian, but would you? And so this lesson, you can lean in because do you really want to spend your life chasing after the Southeaster? But we know for Christians even more, we know that God's made us on purpose for a purpose. And if we chase after the wind, we're spending the energy that God gave us that should be used for the purpose that he made us for. Your life is too valuable and too short to chase after the wind. For some of you, you might just need to switch off your social media. If that's what it's doing to you, if you become depressed, anxious, and you strive, you need to switch it off. It's a waste of time. There's no, you're not like, you're, but what if I miss out on, you are only missing out on your purpose right now because of it. You're not missing out on anything. Switch it off. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the people God's given you. Enjoy your work. Enjoy your purpose. Use your energy well. But if you're getting distracted, you need to get that out of your sight. Of course, Solomon says, some people go, well, I can't achieve it and I can never keep up and I shouldn't do this. So so you know what I'm doing? I'm just going to stop. He goes on in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6 says, he, of course, encourages, he says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. So don't get lazy. Yes, you're supposed to work. You're supposed to be a steward of it. And so we hear Solomon, okay, we're supposed to work. We mustn't compare ourselves to others. We're supposed to be working. And so how do I go about this? Well, he then says in verse six, better one handful with tranquility than two hands, handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What's tranquility? It's a peace. You're satisfied with what God's given you. You're grateful for what you have, and you're also happy to see others succeed and be blessed. Listen, if you do need to switch off to get healthy, switch off. But if you're continuously upset when other people are blessed, you have to look at yourself. Because you know how we cope when, when we struggle with this? We just say that they're bad. Those people are not okay. But when you are in that space, the only one who's normally not okay is you. And we have to get to a place where we are healthy. So we assume that more is better. But if you get more, you'll normally end up wanting more. Solomon's saying less is more when the less that you hold is what you were created for. I'll say that again. Solomon's saying less is more if the less that you hold is what you were created for. And if you can get into your lane, you will find that your lane in life has got one handful. And the other hand's up here praising God. But when you're consumed with this life, you'll use all your life to just get from this life and you'll take your eyes off your eternal life, your eternal savior. 
So I believe your destiny is a place of peace and you'll flourish. But Solomon's saying there's one handful. He goes on to say, here's another picture, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 7. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. He says, this is another life that's meaningless. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. And of course, the reason they say that is in those days, the only ones who can inherit the the estates and, and the business and the finances and the home were men. So there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For, um, and he says this, for whom am I toiling, he asked. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. So who am I doing this for? Who am I toiling for? If you are in this place and you're not enjoying your life, You're not enjoying the people, the family, the friends, your colleagues that you have in your life. They won't enjoy you. And if you're striving, there's a big chance you're going to come home and you're going to expect them to make you happy. And then you're going to tell them, you know how hard I work for you. You know how hard it is. I've got both my hands full. I'm striving out there. You need to take responsibility for yourself. You need to get healthy. I need to get healthy. I need to stay in that place. One handful of peace and tranquility is better than two handfuls of grit, tension, and a lack of peace. You and I cannot compare our way to peace. We cannot compare our, our way to tranquility. People are in our lives so we can celebrate them and they can inspire us, not that we can imitate them. And if you and I are getting focused on other people, we're gonna have the same attitude that the two brothers had. I want it now. I deserve more. You know how hard this life is. You know, if I grew up in another country, it would be different. If I had another surname, if I grew up in a wealthier um, family, if I just lived in a different community. These are all statements of people who are discontent, who are ungrateful, who are distracted and are comparing their lives to others. I agree that they are trusting that God blesses you and you get breakthrough and maybe you've experienced something you didn't deserve, but God is still good. And the sooner you get your eyes on Him and the plans that He has for you, the sooner you're gonna have the peace of God and the blessings of God. But you will not be able to compare your way to peace, compare your way to purpose, compare your way to destiny. You won't see your marriage flourish as you compare your way through this life. You have to decide to be grateful with what you got right now. Expose areas where you're ungrateful. Expose them. Say, I'm not grateful in the area of my material stuff, my finances, or my relationship, or my circumstances. And say, I'm going to change this. Come on, has anyone ever had a grumpy day or you've had a hard day and then you lost something you really need? And then all of your attention goes to what's lost. And then when you find it, you're like grateful again. Sometimes you have to go, what if I lost this? How would I feel? And then you get reminded how blessed you really are. We need to break it. So, so just practically, what do we do? 
Number one, decide to turn blessings into praise. Decide to turn blessings into praise. Of course, the younger brother said, I want it now. Older brother, I deserve more. They were not turning, they were blessed. So every blessing you pour out, God, I'll turn to praise. Well, why? Because every blessing I don't turn back to praise turns into pride, self-focus. And people who are self-focused normally take their eyes off God, well, they've already done it, they're focusing on themselves, and then they'll quickly focus on others. I'll look at themselves, what have you... And you see it in the brothers. I want it now. It's self-focus. I deserve more. And so we're not going to get into that space. We're going to stay healthy. You know, Paul says it in Philippians 4 verse 11. This, this guy was in shipwrecks. He was in jails. He was beaten. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I, I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. He turns it into praise. Because how did He get through jail as the circumstance happening? He says, I can do everything through with you, God. And He writes letters to the churches and we have the epistle letters. He can even lead on a shipwreck. He, he sorts it out. He says, this is what's going to happen. You're going to eat now. Then we're going to, and everyone's going to be saved. Why? Because he can do all things to God who gives him strength. So, so he's in a terrible situation, but he's, he's in a relationship with God. Ah, oh, thank you, God, for this relationship with you. He was still saying to be grateful for. And he turned it into praise. It was his confession. You and I also know every good thing I have comes from God. If you and I remember that and keep that in the forefront of our minds, James 1 verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, then we will not despise and overlook the good things we have in our life. We will not sort of play it down and, 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 and push it away through comparison. It's like this, I remember hearing a story of this lady who got um, a brooch passed down in the family and she just used to put it in a drawer. And one day she decided to go have it valued and this guy was blown away. He said, this is such a valuable brooch. This, was, this is from way back and, and it's a famous jewel. You know what she did when she got home? She put it in a safe. She used to just put it in the drawer. And a lot of us are putting what's valuable in the wrong places in our life. As if it's average. And you know what you and I need to do? We need to put every good and gift that comes from God in its rightful place as valuable, something to be protected. We're not going to let comparison come and steal joy from this thing. This is a God given my family, my work, my health, the fact that I've got breath in my lungs. This is from God. I won't just put it in any place. It will be in its rightful place. It's a, it's a place where I worship God and say, God, you've given me this. This is from you. It keeps us healthy. I'll not let what I want rob me of what I have. Ecclesiastes 6 verse 9, better, the, the eye, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. 
You might not have certain things yet and you can write on your prayer list, but don't let those things distract you. You need to be grateful for what's in front of you, the people in front of you, your job, your health. Gratitude gratitude turns what we have into enough. It's not happy people who are grateful. Grateful, it's about being grateful because grateful people are happy. A lot of us are waiting to become happy and then grateful. No, no. Gratitude leads to peace and a joy and a happiness. And Proverbs 15 verse 15, final verse. A cheerful heart has a continual feast. A cheerful heart has a continual feast. Come on, let's have a feast this November, this December. Let's have a cheerful heart and you will have a continual feast. But if you've got an ungrateful heart, there will be so much lack all around you. Even though you're blessed, you won't see it. You will be um, malnourished. You'll be, you'll be hungry. You'll be thirsty. Because when you want more, you'll just thirst for more. But when you're grateful for what you've got and you're cheerful, there'll be a continuous feast. And you wake up and you'll see your family and your spouse and the work you have and the breath in your lungs. And you'll be a continual feast in your life. Do you want to stand up quickly? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just... Maybe you've, you've been discontent and you just need to just stand and say, thank you, God. If I just thank God where you are for, for what He's given you. He died on the cross for you. Scripture says that He's interceding at the right hand of the Father for you, so you've got the ultimate prayer warrior praying for you. If God's for you, who can be against you? He paid the price for your sins. He's conquered death. Death comes knocking. It's just a step into eternity. It's actually just a pathway into your forever. It's lost its sting because of Him. Come on, if you are alive and breathing, you've got something to thank God for. You got an opportunity to use your breath and your lungs to praise the Father. I won't let the rocks cry out, but if we're not going to praise Him, the rocks will have to cry out. He deserves the praise and the thanks. Come on, bless your marriage with gratitude. Bless your family with gratitude. Gratitude turns what you have into enough. crazy thing is as you thank Him and praise Him, your hands are open. Then God can put whatever He wants to put into your hands. But when you're ungrateful, your hands are folded, your hands are closed, and He has no way to get the blessings into your life. But a life that's grateful is an open life that God can pour His blessing into. He can give those people direction. He can bring the peace into your life. Maybe you're in this place and even as I've spoken, you, you, you're saying, Andre, I've got distracted. I've got disconnected. I've walked away from God. I've compared my life. I've, I've strived. I've chased after the wind. And I looked up and I've walked away from God. But this morning, I need to come back to Him. I need to ask Him to forgive me of my sins. I need to ask Him to be the Lord of my life. For Scripture says, if we, we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. If we confess that He's the Son of God, believe that God raised Him from the grave, we will be saved.
If that's you, with every eye closed, and I'd love to lead you in a prayer. If you need to come back to God or receive His forgiveness for the first time, if that's you, just give me a wave. With every eye closed, just say, that's me. I know God speaks to me. I want to come back to God this morning. I want to give my life to Him. God bless you. Anyone else? Just pop your hand up. Say, that's me. I need to come back to God. I know God's speaking to me. He's knocking on the door of my heart. I want to open up that door right now and receive Him. Maybe you sense, just God's like, in a way, knocking. Spirit, you're on the door of your heart saying, and He wants to come into your life. If that's you, just pop your hand up. I don't want to let, let this moment pass you by. Say, Andre, I need to actually come back to God. I need to ask Him to be my Savior. Just give me a wave. If that's you, receive Him with a joy. God bless you. Anyone else? Receive Him with an excitement. God bless you. Anyone else? Just pop your hand up. Say, that's me. Let's pray as a church family. Let's quickly pray. Jesus, I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Thank you for paying for my sins. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, just praise Him. Just as we end, we've got a Salvation Counselors room over there. If you gave your life, you put your hand up. Even if you didn't put your hand up, if you'd like us to pray with you, you can make your way there. If you need any prayer, you can make your way to that room. If you would like, you can use your, your Next Step card to write your praise report or any prayer request down. And then please take the heart for the house form home. Pray over it. We got a soccer challenge out there for the World Cup. Um, if you hit three in the top corners, you get a free cappuccino. No one's done it yet. This might be the place where the next Liverpool player is just found in our social area. Uh, but you guys can do that. Have an awesome day. Remember your Christmas tickets. You can also grab them outside.